JoeVertigan.com, episode 5 of Title Towns Racing Champion Scott Hansen podcast series, brought to you by Munster Service Center of Green Bay. And it's 1983. Um, Scott was racing on the dirt tracks, had some success, which pretty much had Shano because Seymour had reopened the, running a little bit. But um, you ran into a guy by the name of Steve Marler, uh, of all places, uh, at a car wash. And a relationship struck up from there. Scott, uh, tell us the story, and this kind of helped launch your, your pavement racing career. Uh, tell us about the Steve Marler meeting. We, uh, Richie and I would go to the car wash. Richie Waters, yep. Every Sunday morning to clean the car up from the weekend. Uh, it's the only time we could really get it cleaned up good. And uh, we were in there, and a guy comes walking through the door, and uh, he says, hey, Every Sunday I come here, I like to wash my Mercedes by hand. Every Sunday, no matter how early I get up, I get here and there's clay all over the floor. <laughs> right. Now I know who is doing this. Sure. What's it going to take for you to uh, to not come to this car wash? And it didn't take Richie Waters five seconds. Oh, yeah. Well, buy us an asphalt car. Right. And... Uh, we didn't know who he was from Adam. So Steve Marler was an insurance agent in Green Bay, but had Steve already advertised on cars yet or he no? He was on Wayne Ruffer's and Gary Rayborn's car already. Oh, yes. But we had never met him. We didn't know that. Sure. So we're in the car wash, and uh, Richie says, well, just buy us an asphalt car. And Steve asked who I was, and I, he probably heard of me through Wayne and Gary sure. and him. Yeah. Um, and... We're talking back and forth and back and forth, and 10 minutes later, he said, my office is right next door. Be there at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, and we'll talk this over a little further. He was right on Fisk Avenue on the west side, right? Fisk Street, yep. yep. Fisk okay. and Mason, basically. Yep. So uh, we finished. When we were done washing the car that day, we cleaned the floor up <laughs> extra good when we left. Right. And uh, we took the car home, and next morning... Nine o'clock, we were sitting in his office and, you know, told Steve right out, this is not a sponsorship. You're going to have to own it. I had, I didn't have the finances. Right. And Richie piped in and says, and you're going to have to hire me, you know. <laughs> Richie was on the ball. Oh, I he believe it. He was on the ball back then. He learned those skills early, didn't yes, he? Yes, oh, he yeah. did. <laughs> and... Uh, by four o'clock that afternoon, we were at Randerson's ordering a new car, and was this in like the middle of the summer of '83, or later I'm in the say year? August-ish, because there were four. This was a Monday that we did this. We were, went by Bruce Miller right after that, ordered an engine. That's a Monday afternoon. That Thursday, we were at Kakana with the car. Really? Um, you talk about a neighborhood get together. That was hands a, on. That was the all the kids. We all rode our bicycles up there. Hey, he's got a brand new asphalt car. That was a big deal in 1983. And every one of you guys, in some way, shape, or form, put your hands on that and helped out. And uh, we worked round the clock. Yeah. And we had that car out there. And if I'm not mistaken, we set fast time the first night out with it. Wow. Um, and Steve was just such an incredible guy. Um, 
self-made millionaire, sold insurance out of his basement. Right. Worked at Collier's Junkyard for 50 cents an hour. Really? Oh, yeah, up wow. there in Oneida. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he his insurance business just overnight skyrocketed, and his success led to all of my success. So then, uh, Wayne's career, was he done by this in 83? Because didn't he sell that one car to Teddy Musgrave? He did, you know, I'm not sure if Wayne quit first or Gary quit first. Right. You know, Gary was working full time for Mike. Mike Randerson, yes. Mike Randerson, and uh, I'm not, maybe all three of us were out there together at the same time. Right. But then one or the other uh, pulled the pin on it. You know, Wayne's trucking was getting big. Um, And then it was down to maybe Gary and myself. We both had yellow cars. I remember that, yes. Yeah, and then... uh, so we ran 80, into 83, all 84 with Steve. And then we went out to California to run a race. And we sold a car out there. And as quick as he was in, he was out. Wow. He says, you know, I, I just don't know if I want to do this anymore. I'll help you out when, you know. Yeah. I'll help you out with sponsorship-wise. He didn't want to be a car owner. So with the yellow 53, the Marler car, is that when you ran for Artco Rookie of the Year? It was. Because, okay, was. and you did get Rookie of the Year. Was it 84 or 85? 84. 84, yep. Um, I believe the first race of the year, we rolled that car over. At, at Rockford. At Madison. Madison it was. The last race of the year, we rolled it over at Rockford. Okay. <laughs> so it was a good thing to sell. But this had to be, okay, looking back to 84 season, this had to be like the first time you saw a lot of these tracks, right? Or oh, yes or absolutely. no? absolutely. Yeah. Well, I know you'd run Slinger before. Uh, With that Loopy Brothers car once, because that was my first time at Slinger. Yeah. See, I'm remembering stuff you probably don't even remember. Exactly right. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure there was no success. But we, yeah, all of these places, the Dells, Lacrosse, all of this was all new to us. So you hadn't started your championship run just yet at Kakana. So in '84, nope. Terry Baldry's a stud. JJ oh, Smith. I mean, JJ yep. <clears throat> was JJ was at the top of his game. Lowell was becoming a. a, a a very consistent winner up front. Who, any other names that stick out back well, then for Watson Thursday night? Watson and Kowicki both ran there, in, I think, in 84. Yeah. Uh, Kowicki, maybe not, but Watson was there uh, either that year or prior to that. Dave was coming up. Yet. Bobby Iverson was probably just getting oh, oh yeah. his feet wet at it. Can you imagine the hours that guy put in, the, the drive from Escanaba? And remember, they were an hour ahead, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, those guys... He was a he was a true truck driver because yes. that's what he did for a living on the logging deal, but again, they had to sleep behind the wheel. I don't know how those guys did. Oh it. no! And Jamie did it too. Yep. I mean, for a little while, and and that that's just crazy. But so in '84, let's get outside of Kakana for a minute. '84 uh, season. What were some of your favorite tracks? Has Artco ran Berlin, Michigan? Not a favorite. <laughs> no. Okay, tell us about Berlin. What did you well, have a bad experience there? Um, the first experience that at Berlin is an art go race where trickle went off the back stretch and backed into the end of the concrete wall and I mean I've never seen an explosion Ooh. like that there's pictures around um, it was just a silhouette of Dick's car with with him in it there with a ball of flames I mean wow. the biggest explosion I had ever seen Eesh. and I literally had driven through all the fuel on the racetrack right um, pulled over to stop to go get out and help him. 
my tires were on fire because of the gasoline I had just drove through. So I rolled it forward a little bit, jumped out, and Dick was, you know, fine. Right. Um, shook up, obviously. Yeah. Um, later on in my career, I broke my leg there with a pretty big wreck. Right. So it was just a very, very, very hard racetrack to get over. A track where Scott Hansen had a black cloud, basically, when he went there. Um, for quite a while. Yeah. We, we did conquer it, but it took a long time. Sure. But back to Trickle, when you first got this Marler deal... Talk about the story about going to Wisconsin Rapids. He was he helped. He gave you his setup sheets and everything, didn't he? Everything. We uh, we went to we bought the car, and then uh, got it home. And Kakana was you know Mike Randerson, again can't thank him enough for all the help he gave us there. But when we knew we were going to venture out in '84, called Trickle up and asked them if I could come over and talk to him. And he said, absolutely. So Jeff Vanderwaals, Richie, and myself drove over there. And I needed Jeff because he could drink the beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. So Dick and I and, and Jeff were drinking beer. And, and I says, you know, we're gonna we're thinking about going to lacrosse and this and Madison. And Trickle said, and there was a book over there that was six inches thick. Sure. And he says, Send your send your boy over there with a paper and pencil. And that was Richie Waters. And Richie, he copied. probably ate that all up. Oh eh? my goodness gracious! <laughs> he came out of there with fifty pages of setup sheets. So. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, and uh, so that again, can't say enough about those guys for the help they gave us to get started. Trickle was he was very much a humble guy, but partly the mentality too of if you're a top running driver. You want to help out some newer guys so they're not a hazard on the on the on the track, kind of. Absolutely, he uh, he installed or instilled whatever the word is that mentality. Right. To he'd rather beat you on his own than have you out there as a weapon. Right. And uh, he taught me so many lessons. You know, after a while, I had to quit right. listening to him. Yeah. Because he talked me out of <laughs> so many good runs that right. i was having yeah you know we ran the uh red white and blue series where they would run saturday and sunday right and we got there and dick would show up get out of his car or get in his car quick time never a lap of practice no nothing. right usually show up late too show up late yeah well one weekend we were there I qualified first, he qualified second. Right. I won the dash, he finished second. Right. I won the 25 lapper, he finished second. Right. We went to the bar afterwards. Yeah. And he says, I have got to give you so much more credit than than I have been. He says. Right. And I'm like, why? You know, I mean, it, yeah. it ain't that big. I can't believe anybody could drive a car that out of control that long as what you've done. Really? Well, I told Richie, let's go. We went back to the shop. We changed all four shocks, springs, sway bars. <laughs> By lap 30 in the big race on Sunday, yeah. Trickle was lapping me. <laughs> was and the he, mind game a little bit? Big time. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And he didn't just lap me. He pulled up alongside of me going down the backstretch and waved to me <laughs> as he was. And that was the last day I listened to Dick Trickle's advice. And, uh, yeah, it was quite the experience, but quite the memory. With that, we'll wrap up this podcast episode.